Well, praise the Lord and good day to you. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in Queen City, Texas at Crossway Church in our little studio this morning. And uh, we're just excited uh, that God has sent some rain on our dry ground around here. And uh, we need the rain. We're thankful for it. And I want to welcome you. Grab your Bibles. Get ready to get into the Word of God. We're studying in 1 Peter chapter 2 today. And this will be part 2 on this 11th day of November 2022. And because we uh, know today is the 11th, that we also know today is Veterans Day. And we want to send out a big, happy, and blessed Veterans Day to all those who are serving in our armed forces, our, our veterans, uh, wherever they may be all over the world. We're thankful uh, for our United States of America veterans who have served, who are serving, or even who is preparing to serve in the days ahead. We're thankful for all that the Lord has done through our armed forces here in America. And I'm thankful to have been a Marine myself back from 80 to 86. I served the first three years active duty, the last three inactive duty. And it was a great honor and a privilege to be in the Marine Corps. And uh, I'm thankful uh, to have served. And so happy and blessed Veterans Day to all veterans in, in, in this great nation of America. And also, before we get into the word, tonight is the first night of services with Brother Lauren Larson. He will be here at 7 p.m. tonight. Uh, all the services all weekend, as always, will be streamed live on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page as well as the Curtis Hutchinson 316 YouTube channel. So you can also find them on the website after, uh, at some point after the services. So they're out there. And so I, I encourage you to be here if you're in the area. And if you're not, I encourage you to tune in at 7 p.m. Central Time tonight, 10 a.m. tomorrow morning for a couple of hours of teaching as always, and then 6 p.m. tomorrow night, and of course, 10 a.m. Sunday morning. It's a great honor and privilege to have my friend, Brother Larson, come. This will be his 17th year uh, in a row to be with us here at Crossway Church, and we value his friendship and the great uh, truths that the Lord has used him to bring uh, to us over the years. And so we're excited about what God's going to do this weekend through him. So come, bring your families, bring your Bibles, and let's just get into the Word of God this weekend and let the Holy Spirit do that which needs to be done for us. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll see you tonight at 7 then. Hallelujah. Also, here we are today in this great first letter of Peter in the second chapter, and we're going to get into this today. And a little bit last, in the last session, we discussed uh, that first word in, the fir in this, this first verse, wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, and we look back at that, and what we look back at was the last three verses of what was written in the first chapter, which was us being told we're not born again by corruptible seed like we were born the first time, but we're born again by the incorruptible seed being Christ, being the Word of God. And that Word of God uh, that's going to abide forever is the word by which the gospel is preached. And we're told in between those verses I just quoted to you that all men are like grass. And the flower, the glory of man is like the flower of the grass. And it all fades away. It all goes away. And why did he throw that in, in, in that? Why, did he, why was the Holy Spirit writing that to us? And this is why, and it's very important. And I say it on occasion, and it makes uh, Christians very uneasy, but it shouldn't. We should be growing, and we're going to get into growing today. We should be growing, and we should... And I, we, we shouldn't let things that are biblically true 
become make us uneasy. We should learn to have great joy in what we hear because the things most of the time that make us uneasy are the things that really it's the times where we realize there's things I need to be letting go of to move on. And what he wrote back then was, again, that man is like grass and the glory of man, whatever man thinks he's accomplished in this earth, is like the flower of the grass and it's all going to be burned up. It's all going to wither away except that which is born again and that which is the fruit of being born again. Nothing else will be remembered. Nothing else will be remembered. Nothing else will be honored or is now being honored by God. And nothing else will be rewarded by God. Nothing else but the born again and the fruit of the born again experience. You see, the fruit of the born again experience is the glory of God and his work in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Everything else is going to burn up and be forgotten. And that's why he says here in chapter 2, Wherefore, lay aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. And we discussed those in definition in the last session. So if you missed it, go listen to it. But he says in verse 2, as, this is, how, this is how you're going to lay it aside, as newborn babes desire the milk of the word, the sincere milk of the word, which means pure, which means unadulterated milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, I see the writing here is pointing to Babes, and I understand that most Christians uh, really never make it out of the baby state. I understand that we you can read Hebrews chapter five and 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 let the Lord show you where you are, because that that's not just to a group of people back then. This is to us today. That's where we we we, we step into a grave a place of grave danger when we don't see the scriptures legitimate or relevant for me today. For me, I don't care what is in this Bible, my friend. You might say, well, he's teaching on what it means to be a deacon in the church and I'm not a deacon. Whatever it means in the Bible to be a deacon, you should have the fruit of that in your life too. Amen. Well, I'm not a pastor, so I don't, well, you should have the fruit of that in your life too. It doesn't mean you're excluded because, you know, the things that Paul wrote to Timothy about being pastoral or deacons and all these church, how to have order and how to function in the church, just because you're not playing a specific role by title in the local church does not mean the fruit of, of, of those areas of giftings should not be strived for by you. You're not eliminated from the fruit. Just because it says the, 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 this man who's in this position can't have but one wife don't mean you can go have two or three. Come on now, see how simple that was? <laughs> but as newborn babes desire, you, you know, and Christian, we have to be told something. I'm not for this stuff that, that, that we just know what to do. We don't just know what to do. Now, when we get born again, we, we're changed, we're different, and we know to do right. Now, how to do right is what we don't know. That's why we've got the New Testament to some degree anyway, a large degree, to tell us how to do what we know that we should be doing. So here we see, as newborn babes in Christ Jesus desire the sincere, the pure, the unadulterated milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And let me stop there and say again, Many get born again. It, many hear the gospel. They're convicted by the Holy Spirit that they are sinful and that they are guilty before God. They accept the good news of the gospel. They accept Christ. They believe upon him under righteousness and they are saved and they become a child of God. But 
we're told to desire the, the sincere, the pure, the unadulterated milk of the word that we may grow thereby. And many, they're born again, and then they find a place in some local church by which there's, we used to say there's one on every corner, now there's five on, or, or, or there's four or five on every corner. And the word is not sincere. It's not pure. It's not unadulterated. And, I, and I'm sorry that we have to talk about this quite often because that's just the way it is in the time in which we live. And really, it's pretty much been this way the whole time. Men wanting to draw men to themselves instead of just keeping the word in its pure and sincere state, its unadulterated state. Jesus said the scriptures are about him. Then why do we try to make them about us? Amen. The Bible says that the scriptures are able to make us wise unto salvation. The, the, the Bible, Jesus said, is the testimony of who he is, what he would come to do for us. Hallelujah. The, the word of God that's been committed by God to his people, to his ministers. He's made his people ministers of reconciliation and he has committed unto his people the word of reconciliation. Not the word of this, the word of that. The only word God has committed to his people is the word of reconciliation. But the selfish, fleshly, carnal lusting of our hearts, we, we don't want to hear anymore about reconciliation. I'm already reconciled. And, and, we, and we, we do crazy things with the word of God when we don't deny ourself uh, who doesn't want to take the cross up. Listen, if we're not denying ourselves and taking the cross up, then we're not going to hear the word in its sincere, pure, and unadulterated way. We're not going to. Because self is leading and guiding and reigning. And we have to take the cross up for self to be denied and for us to hear properly. So uh, as newborn babes, and I understand if you've been a Christian for 30, 40 years, that, that doesn't eliminate you from being a babe. Even, even if you've been a deacon. And it, even if you're a preacher, you can still be on the milk. Hebrews 5 bears it out, and I don't want to get into that today. But we're being told when we're babes in Christ to desire the sincere milk of the word. And maybe we're being told that we should be desiring the milk of the word as newborn babes so that we may grow thereby. That's how babies grow on the, on the milk, the pure milk, the unadulterated milk. And many Christians, let me get back to what I was saying. They're born again, then they get planted in these churches that's got all these programs and all these things and, and, and really the message that saved them is not being preached to them anymore. I mean, the Word of God in the context of the living Word of God and what He did as the Lamb of God has gone out the window because the church has this mindset that once we get them born again, then we just need to get them busy. And we, we're called to be busy, but it's got to be under grace. And, and doers of the Word is the only avenue, James said, of becoming doers of the work. But we can't be doers of the Word unless it's unadulterated, pure, and sincere. you got to understand it. And, they, and they, they begin immediately to hear the Word out of its pure and sincere and unadulterated manner in which it's written and the purpose for which it's written and, and we turn it into works and we wear ourselves out and before it's long we're quitting and throwing in the towel and we're just in the number again among the people who have the testimony, well I used to be in church, well I used to do that, well I used to and, and you know and that may even happen to people who are hearing 
the teaching of the word in the context of Calvary because there's two issues in the church. One is we're not hearing the message of the cross from Genesis to Revelation. And number two, maybe it's our carnal flesh that just don't want to and we're, we're just going that direction because the cares of this life are more pleasurable to us than the word of God. Both those issues are fatal. They're fatal. We need to pay attention to where our heart is. Where our heart is. What's our heart hungry? Are we still desiring to grow? Are we still desiring to grow? And if we say we are, are we just deceiving ourselves through saying that? Or are we setting ourselves in a place where we can grow? Here, as newborn babes, they're told, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. In verse 3 says, If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And, and, and let's just leave it like it's written, okay? I understand that newborn babes in Christ Jesus, if they're born again, we can word this, since you have tasted of the Lord who is gracious, that, that's a true rendering of this. But it also could be, mean exactly the way it reads. If you, if you have, maybe you haven't. If you have, a lot of people sitting on pews today have not tasted because they never did partake of the sacrifice of Christ from the heart. They just are around people who go to church. They're just in there trying to fit in, hoping they can conform and hoping they can stay married, hoping this and hoping that. But... The reason we come to Christ is for the forgiveness of our sins. Amen. Initially. And, and, and that is where we taste. And our tasting is the same tasting that Jesus tasted. You got to understand, if you think the cross is just all about Jesus and what he did, and it is for your salvation, but it's about what he did for you and to you. For you and to you. He died for your pardon, and what he did to you, he put you away. He crucified the old dead in their sins, sin nature, the old man, and within himself, through that death, he made a new creation in himself, in righteousness and true holiness, and that's who you are now in him. you got to understand this. He tasted death, Hebrews 2 and 9. He tasted death by the grace of God for all men. And that's why the Bible here says, If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Jesus, by grace, tasted of death for all of us, all the world. He tasted death. Let's just go read it this morning. Why don't you go set your eyes upon it? Hebrews 2 and 9 says this, and this is the way you better be seeing Jesus. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Why did he come? Why was he made a man under the angels? For the suffering of death. Watch. Crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God, Jesus by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. The born-again Christian, you can't explain all this. This, this, come, this. These explanations come from being a student of God's Word in its unadulterated writing. The born-again Christian partakes of the same tasting of death Jesus did. Jesus represented us on Calvary's cross to such a perfect degree that when he died for our pardon, he also through his suffering put us away. He put self, the selfishness of man away. You do understand that Jesus was never allowed to speak of himself. 
He was never allowed to do a work of himself. And he had no sin nature. Jesus had no sin nature. But yet he still could not speak just how, on how he felt or based on his emotions. He could not carry out a work based on his need or his emotions or how he felt. And he told us that. I don't do anything unless I see my father doing it. I don't speak a word unless I hear my father speaking. Self could play no part. Self could play no part. Self is what gets us in all of our dilemmas. Self is why we died spiritually. And self is what Jesus came to put away. It's what he did to you through his suffering. He pardons you, forgave you, washed you clean through the shedding of his blood, through his suffering, never reviling back. Can I say Peter also wrote that? He never threatened them when he was threatened. He never reviled back. He never did what self would want to do. But he committed himself to the one who judges righteously. He came to put self away. Why are we talking about this? Because that is, my friends, what our faith has to be in for the forgiveness of our sins, for the washing daily of all that is unrighteous, 1 John 1, 7 through 9, and for the, the power of God's grace to move in our lives and to function in our lives for all things. The message of the cross the preaching of Christ and Him crucified is to get people saved. But here's where the church leaves it on the shelf. We must take it back off the shelf because if our faith is not in the sacrifice of Christ consciously, how can we bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ? Christianity is not a subconscious thing. Christianity is a conscious decision. The born-again experience was not just something that happened without your knowledge, without your conscious decision. You didn't just migrate into Christianity. You didn't just infiltrate into Christianity, my friend. If you think you did, you better get right with God today because being born again is an experience it is a conscious decision. Many who claim they don't really know when they got born again, I really don't remember when it happened. Most of them, they're not, they're not really living for God according to the scriptures either. They're just trying to be a moral, upright, and good person. Come on now. I hate, I hate it, have to put these things out there, but it's true. It's true. Since you, born again child of God, have tasted that the Lord is gracious, then desire to grow. If you're a babe, it's the sincere, the pure, the unadulterated milk. If you have, if you have made it through the sincere, the pure, unadulterated milk stage, it brings you to the milk. This is, why, this is why Christians stay babies for far, far, far too long. And Hebrews 5 tells us that. Is because their, their hearing becomes dull. It tells us that in Hebrews 5. But the reason their hearing becomes dull is because they've grown comfortable with what they heard in the beginning about the first principles, the teachings of how the Bible relates to Christ, but now it's time to move on to the meat where the discernment is greater and what we've learned about the scriptures in the light of Christ now become light for our feet and a testimony 
for us how the scriptures not only relate to Christ, but how the scriptures relate to Christ, and Christ is now able to have reign and rule over us, and we begin to live, we begin to live by the faith of the Son of God, who the scriptures are about. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So let's make sure we understand this. The only way that we can taste of the Lord and that he is gracious is through faith in his death. Jesus taught in John chapter 6, unless unless a man eat my flesh and drink my blood, he has no life within him. No life. Now, I want you to think about this. We have been, I don't know if we've been taught it or if we've just thought it. That this is just a one, this is just a one-time meal. One time, well, I ate his flesh and I drank his blood when I got saved. If you got saved, yes, you did. Through your heart believing unto righteousness, trusting in Christ and him crucified for the forgiveness of your sin. You tasted what you couldn't explain it, but you believed the gospel and you tasted of the same death Jesus tasted of because you tasted that the Lord is gracious. He's only gracious through his death. He's only gracious through his death. I said he's only gracious through his death. There is no grace of God that comes to anyone for anything outside of the avenue of faith in the cross. This is why the Holy Spirit turns us, God's people, over always to the death of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4.11 He always turns us over to the death of Jesus and it tells us there in 2 Corinthians why so that we might express the life of Christ. He is not expressed just because someone's out there being good and nice. Lost people can be good and nice. Come on now. Lost people give money to the church all the time because they think it's getting them somewhere with God. But it's not. It's blocking the way that God offers because anybody trying to purchase salvation or purchase maturity is actually sowing into that which is resisting them. And the resistance only becomes greater. Everything God gives man, he gives it freely, but he gives it freely to those who believe. Yes, only those who believe and are tasting of the death of Jesus because that's the only place we find the Lord being gracious. And you might say, well, no, I found the Lord being gracious in this and that. No, no, you didn't. You found God's grace through the sacrifice, my friend, or you've not found God's grace. That's about like telling me that you found God's grace for salvation outside the cross. No, you didn't. And you won't ever find God's grace for, the, for, for fruit bearing outside the way of what Jesus tasted, which was death, so that you could partake of the grace of God. The first way of partaking is your 50th year of salvation's way of tasting. There is no other way to taste and see that the Lord is good. And if we're not tasting of the death of Jesus, we're not seeing what we should be seeing. Think about that great truth right there. If I'm not tasting of what I should be tasting, then I'm not seeing what I should be seeing. If I'm eating the right substance that God offers, then I'm seeing what that substance allows me to see. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, you cannot enter the kingdom or even see it until you're born again, until you've partaken by faith in the death of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You ate, you ate his flesh and you drank his blood and you received life everlasting and abundant. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory be to God. (laughs) Think about that. You've tasted and you've seen that the Lord is gracious. If we're not tasting of what we're 
given to taste, then we can't see what we're supposed to see. This is why the church is so far off track. And let me bring it into this teaching session today. It doesn't matter how far we get. These things we need to hear. We as God's people are being conformed into the image of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other image that God is conforming <coughs> us into. None at all. But if we just read that Romans 8 and 29, that we're being conformed in the image of God's Son, and we all leave, and we'll all have different mindsets on how God is doing that and what that looks like when he is allowed to do that. So Paul comes along and gives us Philippians 3.10 and tells us in simple language, that which we're being conformed into, made conformable unto, is the death of Jesus. That's why the Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians 4.11, has to always, always, the Bible says, turn us over to the death of Jesus. It, it's right in line with all these other scriptures. How can, I, how can I bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ if the Holy Spirit is not pointing me to where Christ obeyed even unto death on the cross for me? And Paul now, the Holy Spirit through Paul, even goes and makes it brighter on this path of the just that shines more into the perfect day with, with 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. That what we're beholding, the glory of the Lord, is that, that we're being changed into that image which, which tells us what the glory of the Lord is. It's Christ and Him crucified. Hallelujah. And we're being changed into that glorious image, the glory of the Lord, by the Spirit of the Lord. And that's the only avenue for us to go from glory to glory. Hallelujah. It's like you can't go from glory to glory unless you're going from faith to faith. And you're not going from faith to faith unless the righteousness of God is being revealed to you in the gospel, Romans 1, 16 and 17. See how simple this is? Let me say something to you ministers who are watching. I don't see who you are. I don't have, there could be nobody watching right now. There could be, who knows how many. But, but listen to me, preacher. Don't move away from the gospel because if you do, God's righteousness, the righteousness of what you're trying to preach can't be revealed. And if his righteousness is not revealed, then the light of God's word can't be there for the light to our path because Psalms 37, 6 tells us that he's made our righteousness unto us as our light. All God's words are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. It's what makes God's word light to us. Jesus, who is our light, and the righteousness he has become to us. We are ministers of of righteousness ministers of reconciliation with God's words of reconciliation God's words of righteousness did you see how simple that was so if you're while you're this this Jesus said eat my flesh and drink my blood it's not a one time it's a one you, first time you partook of it you came into the kingdom. You were ushered into the kingdom with an abundant entrance, hallelujah, in Christ Jesus. But to prove in the scriptures that you can get in serious trouble even if you have partaken, even if you are a child of God, even if you are in the church now and on your way to heaven, it's, listen, that one time partaking and then we move away and begin to eat of everything else, you need to read Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. There is a hand that has a nail hole in it that is knocking on the door of most of the church today trying to get back in to fellowship with them, to dine, to dine, to dine. 
D-I-N-E, to partake with them. And the only thing he will partake with you, the reason Christ is on the outside, not of the lost world, that is written to the church. At the end of that, in Revelation 3, it says, let those, let's just turn over and read it, so we can get it just right. I don't want to mess it up today. Hallelujah, Revelation 3. And at the end of that chapter, at the end of that chapter, he, he says, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying unto the churches. How many preachers are out there talking about Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart to, to get into fellowship with you? And, and listen, when the gospel is preached, that's what he's doing to the lost. But this is not written to the lost. Let's read it again. Let's just start with verse 20 in Revelation 3. Behold, I stand at the door. That's the door of your heart. And knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcomes. See, there's something there that's got to be overcome. There's something there that's got to be overcome. And what's got to be overcome is the thing there that's in our heart that's not the overcoming power of, of the cross through our faith in the cross. Think about this. To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne even also as I overcame and have sat down with my father in his throne. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches, not through the church, unto the churches. Did you get that? Did you get that? The knock on the door, that hand that's got a nail hole in it, is knocking to get back in to dine. And he says, I will come into him and will sup with him. And that word means dine. The only thing on the table that the Lord, in our hearts that the Lord will dine with us, that means have fellowship with us over, is what he did at Calvary. That's why he's on the outside knocking to get back in because we've brought these other things in the table of our hearts that's not the focus of the cross. This is why the Bible says in Galatians 6, 14, God forbid we boast in anything other than the cross of Christ. He forbids it. When a preacher preaches or teaches, he ought to be boasting in the cross. Hallelujah. I don't care what these men say today. All this stuff that their carnal flesh try to bring in on the table. That it's not just always about the cross. If it's not about the cross, then it's not about reconciliation. And if it's not about reconciliation, then we're holding God's word out of the avenue through which he committed it unto us. See how simple that is. I'm not being ugly. I'm just being used of God right now to, to, for those few, those few who are going to hear the knock on the door, wake up, let him in, get back in fellowship with him. Because it's not fellowship with Christ if it's not faith in that one thing alone that allows him to dine with us to fellowship with us, to partake of his grace, to partake, to taste of that death. Come on now, this is better, hallelujah, than I thought it was going to be. So, if so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Because you have tasted, Christian, and found the Lord gracious to have saved you from your sins, then desire, that sincere, unadulterated, pure, that's what that word means. Milk of the word. Milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Let's make this comment in the teaching today that there is no growth without the word of God. We don't grow just because we go through hard times. 
All people go through hard times, whether it's a child of God or a child of the devil. We all going through hard times because of sin. That's all there is, hard times. Some are harder than others, but that's all really there is in this world is hard times. You're going through something every day. You're going to be tempted and tried every day as a child of God. And the only way to grow is by the Word of God. In, a, in, in the babe state, the baby state as a Christian, it takes the milk of God's Word, which, let's see, Hebrews 6 describes the milk. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, the milk, let us go on unto perfection. See, this is Hebrews 6. We call it chapter 6, but it was just a letter when it was written. It just moves from those who are dull of hearing because they're still on the milk and they should not still be on the milk. They should have, they should have moved forward. And listen... If the milk is what it should be and they are desiring to grow through that pure milk of the word, then they will reach a place where they begin to be a greater witness unto God, a greater testimony to all that know them, and they will step into their roles of legitimate functionality in the body of Christ. Let me say something about the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, I'm sorry, the Apostle Paul, rather, wrote to the church in Corinth and told them that many are weak, sick, and dying prematurely because they're not discerning the Lord's body. I believe that to be twofold. First one is the most important. They're not discerning the Lord properly in what he did in his body on the tree. Now, these are Christians Paul wrote to in Corinth. So they're already saved. They've already been filled with the Holy Ghost. They, they've already stepped into the kingdom. They've been born again. They're, they're Christians, but many are weak among them. Many are sick among them, and many of them are dying when they shouldn't be dying. Because they're not discerning after they're saved. So this is another confirmation that you need more in your life going on than just a remembrance of when you were born again. You won't ever forget when you were born again. And you often need to remember that. I speak of the born again mind all the time. Because I remember that experience. But my friend... You've got to go on with the same faith you began with. You have to. And you must continue. And I lost my, my train of thought there, but, but you've got to go on with what you started with or you will find yourself waning away and you must keep that desire alive in your heart to grow or, or you won't grow. Let's get back over here now in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2. If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You must keep tasting. You must keep tasting if you're going to keep seeing because to walk you must be seeing. But to see, but seeing you must be tasting. You see, think about the, the church, the part of the huge part of the church that's they're hearing the knock on the door. It may come through social media, people preaching the cross and they, well, I'm unfriending him. I'm unfollowing them. I'm tired of all this stuff about the cross. That's the hand of God knocking on the door of your heart, my friend. All these people out there always talking about the cross, always talking about the cross. That's the knock on the door trying to get you to get up, wake up, get up, and go open the door to let your Savior back in. Come on now. Come on now. We, 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 we've, we, we've left the, the first principles. These are these initial teachings of the Lord that we 
Let me go back over here at Hebrews 6. I lost my train of thought. My wife's not sitting here to keep me on track. <laughs> but we've got to leave the milk eventually to step into the place where we're being functional in the body of Christ. And okay, that's where we were right there. Thank you, Lord. Number one, the, the people in the body of Christ, Paul said that there are many who are weak, sick, and dying prematurely because they're not discerning the Lord's body is a confirmation, that's where we were, that they're already saved, they're already spirit-filled, but they're weak and sick and dying prematurely because after they've been born again, they're not discerning the Lord's body. See, the, the, the discerning the cross is a content, and that is what that means when it says discerning the Lord's body. That means what he did in his body. That's not talking about his the way he looked, what color his eyes were. So discerning the Lord's body, what he did in his body on the tree is not only what saves us from sin, but it saves us daily from the effects of sin, which is weak, sick, and dying before it's our time. Number two, if you don't get number one right, you're, you're already messed up number two. And, and number two, that's where most Christians are today. I'm not being ugly, it's just a reality. You can't discern the Lord's body in the earth today, the body of Christ, the church. If you can't get the first part right, that's why you're not getting the second part right. If you're discerning the Lord's body and what he did on the tree, I'm not talking about you say you understand it. You, you can give a few scriptures concerning that. When, when you are discerning that properly in your spirit and in your soul, when your faith is literally there, then you're going to also discern the body of Christ in the earth today, which is the church, and you are going to, through the sincere, the pure, unadulterated milk of the word, you're going to reach a place of maturity where you step over into the meat and you're going to leave the principles, the, the first oracles of, of God, which are the doctrines of Christ you begin with, and you're going to move on into perfection, and you're going to have your functional role in the body of Christ. You're going to have, that means, my friend, in a local church. When you get away from that, your discernment is wrong. I don't need to be in a church. I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that. And every, all I can see is self reigning and ruling. Self reigning and ruling because self wants to do things the comfortable way but yet say all the right things but not be found denied, not being found denied so the cross can be taken up and Christ glorified instead of self being glorified. Many are weak, sick, and dying prematurely in the body of Christ because they stop discerning the Lord's body. You get the first discernment right concerning the Lord's body, what he did on the tree for you and to you, and you walk in that, then you will also have the discernment concerning who he is and what he's doing in his body on the earth today that he says his church is. Everybody okay today? This has been great today. And I'm thankful to be sharing these things with those who have ears to hear. Those who have hearts that are spirit-taught hearts. Those who want to learn and know that they can't outside the scriptures in the light of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It is a focus. It is our boast. It is what makes what we'll get into next. It is what makes Jesus precious to us. Let's read this next verse, if you will, in verse 4. It, because if you're growing as babes on the sincere milk of the word, because you already have tasted that the Lord is gracious, that means you're growing. Remember, there's no growth outside of the word of God. 
because there's no growth outside of faith in the Word of God. But that is what God is looking for as the Spirit of grace that He is can function in your life. Grace many times is mistaught, misunderstood in the church. Grace every time is what God does. And you might say, well, no, it's what we do by the Spirit of God. It's still God doing it by His Spirit. Grace is what God does, and you can't escape that. And all of God's works are in truth, Psalms 33, 4. And God won't deviate from within the perimeters of which He works. And that is the new covenant law, the new law, the Spirit the, the law of the new covenant is the law of the Spirit, who is God, of life, who is our Christ, who works within the perimeters of the cross. For the law of the Spirit of life. The law by which the Spirit of life works in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And for me to walk in a place where the law of sin and death I may not be guilty of, but its power to bring me back into the bondage of it cannot happen is if I'm functioning under the new law. The new law of the new covenant, the law of the Spirit, of life in Christ Jesus. I can't say today that the Holy Spirit works within the perimeters of faith in Christ and Him crucified alone and then turn around and say, but sometimes, you know, no, that brings confusion to the body of Christ. God does not author confusion. So when we speak confusion... This is where the unadulterated, this, and I'm sorry, this is where the adulteration, this is where the mixture, this is where the milk becomes distorted. This is where the meat starts being not so tender and chewable any longer. This is where the problems, this is where the discernment, we begin to lose discernment. If there's mixture, if there's mixture, it's not unadulterated. This is why God says he forbids that we boast in anything other than the cross of Christ. It doesn't matter what the Lord has us teaching on in the Bible. Our boast in the midst of it all is to be God's reconciling power for the lost to be saved and for the saved to remain reconciled daily, walking with the Lord in the light He walks in, which is the light of His righteousness, so that we can be cleansed from everything that is not righteous and from all sin that easily beset. Come on, somebody. I'm just teaching better than your amen in this morning. I hope you're commenting in there and letting, letting me know, uh, you know, uh, how encouraging these truths are to your hungry spirit-taught hearts. Your hungry spirit-taught hearts. You know, there is a remnant that when they gather before a teaching in a classroom setting or online or in a sanctuary in a worship service, there is a remnant that's looking for the unadulterated, sincere, pure milk of the Word if they're babes. If they're maturing beyond the milk, they're looking for that meat, strong meat. And when they leave that Bible study, when they leave that worship service, when they leave that one, just them and the Lord and the Word of God Bible study, devotion time, they leave with something. They leave with something. Let me say it again. They leave with something, and that is what God wants to happen 
in our lives, whether I throw the Bible open on my lap at home in my personal time or I'm in a worship service or I'm in a Bible-setting classroom or just online. It doesn't. Whenever I'm trying to hear God, God wants me to hear Him greater than I want to hear Him. And He wants me to walk away with something that, that allows this path He put me on to literally be brighter unto me because he's promised that the path of the just will shine more unto that perfect day. Hallelujah. So, now let's break into this morning, verse 4, and next Friday, Lord willing, if he hadn't come for us, I believe he probably will before then, but if he hasn't, we'll jump back in here in verse 4 next weekend, but let's stick our feet in it this morning. Let's step off into this this morning because maybe we've got a little tighter handle on the first three verses. Uh, maybe the Lord has been able to engraft, impart, write his words of life, light, and liberty into our hearts and on the tablets of our minds this morning morning so that we can be a little more full of faith, a little more full of his word and a little more, a little less filled with whatever was in our heart. When the Lord writes his word in your heart, that means something else has got to get out to make room for what he's doing. Something else got to get out and make room for what he's putting in. It, it's always a transition. There is no gain without loss. The cross is the story of that. Hallelujah. Jesus lost his life to give us life. And the more we deny self and trust in what he did through the cross, the more we experience that life. Hallelujah. Jesus taught it himself unless you lose your life. You can't ever gain true life. It's the way it is. And when the Lord is able to, to put his word in our hearts and write them on the tablets of our minds, that means something got to get out. Something's got to go to make room for what the Lord's doing now. Hallelujah. Oh, let that be a picture in your mind. Let, let that understanding come that, that as one of the reasons the Lord wants to write his word on the tablets of your mind is so that it can, what he's wanting to put in there can replace and get rid of something else that was taking up that space. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory to God. Now let's look at verse 4. To whom coming, we came to Christ. That's who we came to when we heard the gospel. As unto a living stone, disallowed he was, rejected he was of men. Indeed was he rejected. That's what the Bible says. But chosen of God and precious. Precious. That word precious is here in verse 4. It's there in verse 6, and it's there in verse 7. Precious. We'll talk about this next Friday again if the Lord tarries. I, I really look for him to come uh, today, probably before the services tonight. I'm looking for him. I'm expecting him. I'm, I'm serious about that. I'm looking for him. I'm expecting him to come at any moment. I'm expecting to leave this place. I, I, I don't have anything I need to do anywhere I need to be. I don't have any longings that, that I just hope he puts it. I hope he comes before I say amen to this teaching session today. I really do. But if he, if he doesn't come, if he tarries and we're here next Friday, then we're going to look at this word precious. We're going to see what God thinks about his Savior and hopefully the Lord can transform our understanding and our eyesight to see a little bit more of our Savior the way God sees him and the way that God sees the cross of Christ, may it ever be so for us, an ever-increasing view, ever-increasing view of the beauty of what he did in his son on Calvary's cross for us and what that means for us moment by moment in our lives. 
I love you and I praise God for each and every one of you for being a part of these Bible studies as we gather around God's Word. And, and I pray that you would just help us to share these broadcasts. Hit the share button. I thank God for every comment. Uh, those of you who like it, love it, put a sad face, it doesn't matter. You responded. And I praise God for all responding. But respond with your mission to publish God's Word. And I want to thank all of those of you who give financially to our ministry. Many of you do. And you, if you haven't yet and you don't know how, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can also give by simply typing the word give or texting the word give, rather, to the number 903 231 5950. Again, you can text the word give on your smartphone to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. We love you. I'll see you tonight at 7 with Brother Larson in the beginning of the meetings for this weekend. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.